Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Is hair a material? Are biscuits a material? Are crystals a material? Is plastic a material? Is porridge a material? Can gases be a material? Are eggs a material? Is water a material? What do you call everything that isn't a material? (laughs) Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh at you. And yet you continue to do so. Hello and welcome back to Handmade, the making podcast with real talk about materials. As always, I'm your host, material scientist Anna Pajajski, and this episode I'm talking to Hester Hamilton all about her experiences as a costume maker and burlesque performer. I started by asking Hester to tell me her story as a maker. Yeah, I mean, I, I was someone who grew up with a lot of making around me was people. My grandfather um, was an engraver um, and did, had a printing press in his garage, which that was his job. My grandmother did spinning and knitting. Mm. My mother went to art school and also did lots of sewing, screen printing, just all sorts. Um, and my dad was constantly doing DIY and just, you know, mm making stuff around the house, fixing stuff around the house, improving stuff around the house. So, you know, it was just like normal, normal, a thing that is accessible. There is always, there are always going to be materials to do a lot of things Mm. and just trying shit and being, um, yeah, confident in the idea that, that you can try making things and that I would have support and, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. don't know, just the sort of environment. Um, and one thing that really was um, an event or a, a current theme and, and mm. a recurrent theme in our family was dressing up. Oh, nice. Um, anytime there was some sort of dress up event, like my mom especially would go for it. Mm. Um, so, like, one of my favorite like childhood memories is when she made me at age, I think I was four my own uh, age-appropriate Wonder Woman costume (laughs) where she made the tiny little shorts because four-year-old and hand-sewed the white stars on them because she couldn't get the right fabric. Wow. Yeah, that's that's like (laughs) just normal. Um, Yeah, so so that sort of environment was obviously I just kind of became someone who was like, yeah, I'll try making some things. Mm. Um, So when I hit adolescence, I kind of started sewing mm-hmm. um, and actually I think the first costume that I made 
was that I found some red lame fabric in a um, props warehouse that I got access to and mm -hmm. was like, I'm going to make a dress that I'd seen in a B-52s video. <laughs> okay. Um, but I'm not going to make it for me. I'm going to make it for my friend because uh -huh. obviously I would have nowhere to wear it. She had nowhere to wear it either, but, <laughs> but you know, she was very gracious about it. Uh -huh. um, and, yeah, it was some sort of, like, thing inspired by the Jetsons, I think, that had this, like, hoop and the skirt and everything. And it was ridiculous. And I don't think it ever got worn, but... <laughs> That was just like, okay, that's the thing I'm going to do. It's a project. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I kept going back to the sewing, um, sometimes sewing clothes for myself, but I'm, I don't have a lot of patience okay. for finishing things nicely. <laughs> um, so, you know, like a lot of the clothes that I made for myself, I was like, yeah, but they're not very good whereas with costumes it's a bit like well if it does the job on the night or at the time it's fine okay no one's looking too closely you know interesting a different approach yeah um so that's like really kind of I think partly why costuming appeals to me mm. and then okay uh with the burlesque thing was an, a number of factors kind of converging but um, one of them was costuming that mm -hmm. brought me to burlesque. I ended up, for some reason, getting involved in a corsetry community on LiveJournal because I'm that old. Um, and it was great. Learned a lot. And there were burlesque people on there. Mm -hmm. Then kind of saw pasties as in, what do people call them, nipple tassels, whatever, and was like, I reckon I could make them. Okay. Um, classic thing. And went on the internet, and this was about 2006. Mm -hmm. There was surprisingly little on there. Um, but I ran across a PDF that the fantastic burlesque performer Joe Weldon was selling, um, which was the precursor to her book that she published on burlesque, the Burlesque Handbook. Um, it promised it to have good instructions on how to make pasties so I paid a few dollars for it bought it read the whole thing and was like okay I know how to make pasties that's cool but the rest of this is interesting too um and there was one thing in particular that really tickled me was there as a photo of one of her acts costumes um where she was dressed as Godzilla <laughs> Okay. She had a Godzilla mask, <laughs> had a tail. She had, like, claws and, like, feet claw things. I was not expecting Pasties, you to say that. G-string, that was it. And I was like, this is something that I, this is something that appeals to me. This is something that I can get behind. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't immediately get into performing burlesque because while I'd grown up around making things, I had very much not grown up with any sense that I could perform. Mm -hmm. So um, it took me a bit longer, but um, eventually I gave it a shot. Um, and despite the fact that it was terrifying, I also really enjoyed it. <laughs> so, yeah, that's kind of, kind of how I got there. 
Amazing. I've got so um, many questions for you. Um, in terms of, I guess you're not kind of performing burlesque as we, I was going to say as we speak, obviously not as we speak, but, um, you know, at the, in the current climate with COVID and stuff. But um, when, when you were performing, what, um, was it like a particular style that you were interested in or sort of tell us a bit about that world? Okay, so, um, I mean, I feel like people know a lot more about burlesque generally than they did once upon a time. But um, I'm very much in the Mm -hmm. neo-burlesque thing, which tends to, well, it's not the sparkly, pretty, glamorous, showgirl, Dita Von um, world. I tend to do things that are more comedy, Mm -hmm. weird uh some nerdlesque um if that's a term people have heard of it tends to be basically things that represent kind of nerd culture popular culture things so i have a ellen ripley act okay (laughs) um which i haven't done as as much as i'd like but but that was yeah yeah it's yeah, so that's kind of the the nerdlesque thing. I don't know if I have a Muppet act too, which is kind of nerdlesque ish, mm. but not quite as obviously extremely nerdy as Ellen Ripley. So yeah, that's um, I guess I guess queerlesque is also a term that um, is used. I find that harder to define, okay. but. Um, because obviously it can be drag type thing it can be um you know it could be something more political it could be just being queer and performing burlesque yeah you know sure that sounds yes. like a huge umbrella <laughs> umbrella term. yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so you make do you make your own costumes and costumes for other people as well I only make costumes for myself mm-hmm. and occasionally help out friends okay um as I said before I'm not maybe the most patient in terms of finishing and um, things like that. So I kind of feel like it would stress me out to make them professionally for other people. If someone's paying me money for it. Yeah. Gotcha. I feel like they're expecting a level of like finish that I'm just, I just can't be asked with. (laughs) (laughs) And, 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 you know, I've got a day job. I'm, I'm perfectly happy, you know, keeping burlesque to be a sideline and, and keeping it in a place where I enjoy it and I'm not stressed out by it. So yeah, definitely not a professional costumer. Sure. Yeah. That's a very important definition of hobby, isn't it? Something that just doesn't stress you out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, I've thought about costuming for other people and then every time it's just like, no not worth the stress yeah for sure so tell me a bit about your materials and methods then you mentioned diamantes and stuff but yeah what do you use okay so I use basically I use whatever I can find whatever um, inspires me whatever Mm -hmm. I can afford Um, because obviously being a hobbyist um I'm not making money out of it. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of lucky if I break even on what I spend on an, on an act um, a lot of the time. So I don't want to spend thousands. And there are people who will invest thousands in an act and good for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not me. 
um, because I feel like part of that whole being a hobbyist and not wanting to be stressed by it is not wanting to have to worry about getting lucrative bookings or being marketable yeah. or or whatever in a kind of mainstream sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so things I have made costumes out of, obviously fabric is a thing and um, this is one of those things in, in my real life, um I'm all oh natural fabrics oh it's all denim and cotton and uh-huh. you know like um very much more Dexy's Midnight Runners than Dita Von Tees. um but but then I'm I'm there for my costumes they always tend to be the most nasty synthetics scratchy sequin fabrics um <laughs> but yeah um that sort of thing so so we have yeah sequins are very scratchy Mm. and unless you line them properly which I really well I I I only have one sequin gown and I I did line it um but it's still uncomfortable sure um but I have one costume my Muppet costume where the skirt is made mainly out of very stiff tulle okay um so it's horrible to wear it's incredibly scratchy but it's bright pink and looks ridiculous on stage which Mm -hmm. is what I'm going for um but also I enjoy making things out of just unusual materials Mm -hmm. and especially I have one act um which was kind of I wanted to do something that was not a standard strip narrative or with gags or jokes or anything. And I, I kind of had an idea of what the costume would be made out of and kind of let that guide me. And the costume is actually made out of um, string curtains. Okay. Um, that, yeah, they bought them off like Amazon, even though they're evil. Mm-hmm. Um but but you know so the the, the long uh, with some kind of tinselly strands in them, it's heavy, and it smells kind of musty. I probably should have washed it at some point before making it into a costume. But it looks surprisingly expensive on stage mm. for something that costs very little. Um, and the whole point of it is that it, it, it moves. So I've got this curtain that starts, you know, at my shoulders and goes right down to my feet. And then when I move, that is giving your reveals and your your kind of interest. Um, so that was a really fun thing to, to make a costume out of, and mm-hmm. it's a very non-standard material. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, another strange one I have used is I made a sheep act where I am a sheep and I shear myself and the costume is made out of, um, I have to remake it every time. Sure. Um, and it's generally made out of whatever clothes I have that were kind of destined to become rags mm-hmm. um and I don't mind cutting them up covered in hobby fill as in cushion stuffing mm-hmm. um so it's a horrible nightmare costume to work with 
Um, <laughs> it's hot and delicate because it's hard really to attach hobby fill to the outside of something. Mm. Um, and it's a lot of work to make it every time, mm. but it's kind of fun. I would love to see um, that. It sounds amazing. <laughs> I have vowed never to do it again, actually. <laughs> um, oh, I'm gutted. Because I'm sick of I'm sick of remaking the costume. Yeah. I um so I moved to the UK five years ago and mm-hmm. right before I left, I did this one last show and I did that act. And um that time it was in a in a um show that well, burlesque competition, <laughs> which is called DIY Burlesque Kiwi. And the premise of this is that you have to create an act for under a hundred New Zealand dollars, which is 50 pounds ish. Okay. But probably goes, it doesn't go quite as far in New Zealand either because we don't have quite the same level of like, well, Amazon cheap crap and, and that sort of thing. Like it probably goes less far than you would think. Um, and what I did at that time was I was clearing out my house, um, in preparation for moving. So I took a bunch of old pillows and a bunch of old things that I was going to throw out. And I made the costume almost entirely out of things I was going to throw out. Awesome. Um, and I spent a really long time doing it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I felt quite proud that that was, that was the thing I could do and reusing, kind of things that I have around the house mm. is is very much a, a part of what I do with my acts. So, I mean, they may not be things that everyone has around their house, but, you know, scraps mm. um, of fabric for linings, um, the shoes that I've had for 12, 13 years that I just put a different applique on the front and go there for this act now. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. So having a kind of stock of just bits around the house really allows me to kind of um, get creative with it, not spend too much money mm. and just, yeah, explore what I can do with yeah. my acts. It sounds like um, that was very much kind of the atmosphere that you grew up in as well as having lots of materials around the house and you probably, you know, honed your creative eye quite a lot in that space, you know, having all these materials and opportunities and, and the, the atmosphere of making and the sort of the people around you making. Um, I wonder if it's made you sort of look at objects and materials in a slightly different way, because most people wouldn't see an old cushion and think I'm going to make a sheep costume out of that. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And it's something that, you know, because it was normal to me, mm. I only kind of comparatively recently realized that everyone doesn't think like that. And exactly. I have a lot of friends who are, you know, crafters, makers who kind of think like that. But then I'll be, you know, talking to other burlesque people and be like, well, why don't you do this with your costume? And they're like, what? Right. Yeah. Because they don't have that background. So I'll be suggesting, oh, what about a different type of fastening? You could change it and that would make it easier to mm. to get in and out, you know, to get out of specifically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, or, or that sort of thing. And I realized that not everyone actually has that mm. knowledge. 
Um, and while I'm still learning a lot of things um, in how things in burlesque costumes work, mm. um, I think that background and and just being able to construct things, mm. yeah, is is really helpful. Yeah. Has that way of thinking impacted any other sort of areas of your life in terms of your day job or, you know, how you approach other things? It, I mean, I don't think in terms of my day, oh, maybe, I mean, maybe if we get really kind of back to basics on it, I think a lot of what I do in terms of, solving tasks is about what do I have how mm. can I you know how can I solve this problem with the the tools I have on hand mm. rather than trying to invent you know or come up with something new yeah. um that 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 I might not have as much expertise in I'm like oh I can reuse this bit of code right. that someone else has written or I can you know mm. I can I can find that kind of information might be the same thing. I mean, the other thing is that in a, in a more literal sense, I am a parent. Um, and so, you know, I don't always have the time, but when, you know, World Book Day comes around and the kids need a, a, a costume yeah. to wear to school, I'm like, let's go. <laughs> um, when my oldest was studying, I think it was the Celts, and they had to do some sort of bring in some sort of thing that they made. And I was like, let's make a um, warp weighted loom. <laughs> and Amazing. we'll make the warp weights out of air drying clay and then we'll build a loom. Uh, it's functional. Like, Amazing. <laughs> so um, I don't think it's always appreciated by my children in that sort of instance. But, but you always win the prizes. Much- that's the important thing. <laughs> a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
so yeah there there are kind of a lot of things around the house where I was like I can make something like that yeah um yeah a resourcefulness basically that's what it is isn't it yeah, an enthusiasm yeah. yeah yeah um yeah I've got my kid when he was two or so his favorite toy was a toy whale that I'd made out of an old pair of jeans you know and, cool. yeah yeah just fun stuff like that what have you learnt from doing this, do you think? Ooh. Um, I mean, I've learnt so many specific things <laughs> about, oh, what are the different types of rhinestones? <laughs> yeah. You know, and what sort of sparkle do they give for the price? And, um, you know, because obviously I can I can elaborate. Um you know, sparkly things are good in burlesque. You want to look good under lights, sparkles help. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took me a really a while to kind of come around to that because I for a while thought that sparkles were only the domain of showgirls. Okay. And I was not a showgirl mm-hmm. and therefore would not do sparkles. Um, and then kind of realizing that you can put a few sparkles on anything and it doesn't necessarily look showgirl. It just looks a bit better under lights. Mm. Um so yeah, researching like, okay, I don't want to spend a lot of money, but I don't want them to look terrible. Yeah. Um, my first rhinestones I ever bought looked like kind of chips of someone's windscreen. Oh, um, they were just, they were just awful. <laughs> they did not reflect pretty right. much anything. Yeah, yeah. And kind of going, all right, so I can get, you know, because there'll be like the Swarovski style, like crystal. Um, ones then you've got your kind of more standard glass ones and then you've got resin and then you've got like acrylic and Mm -hmm. acrylic go dull very quickly because they scratch and you know obviously Swarovski are going to look fabulous but they also cost a lot and will the audience care sure um you know and so there's kind of finding that bang for your buck Mm. um you know, because obviously there are people who are like, I will wear nothing but Swarovski, um, but they're, they're probably doing a million corporate bookings and, and actually making money. So, sure. yeah. Um, and then you learn, okay, what is the best adhesive to use to attach these to my costume? Mm. Well, you can use E6000, but you need to wear a respirator, and I really can't be asked getting a respirator. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then you can use Gemtech, which is kind of like, I don't actually know what it's composed of. It feels to me like a kind of slightly stronger PVA. Okay. Um, but then you can't soak your costume because all the it will dissolve. rhinestones will yeah, fall yeah, yeah. off. Um, so, so that's sort of kind of learning, oh, what's the best fishnets that you can cut off and they will stay up around your thigh. Um, that sort of kind of just very specialist knowledge sure. um, that you would not think to know unless you were doing burlesque costuming. Um, but, yes, when someone asks me about adhesives and I'm like, do you need to stick rhinestones to something? <laughs> do you want to stick fabrics together? Do you need to stick fabric to skin? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so so there's – and I'm I'm someone who enjoys – researching these sorts of things to a ridiculous degree 
Um, and then leaving all my costuming to the last minute and um, <laughs> the night before the show, which I am renowned for. <laughs> <laughs> so um, but, the learning part is 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 my it's one of my faves. Yeah, I bet. And and it sounds like you've accumulated a huge amount of yeah, very specialist but interesting materials knowledge as well. Um, I'm going to give you a choice of question now. Either, okay. I mean, you can answer both, but um, either what's your biggest kind of costume mishap, or what's your most ambitious costume? Ooh. Okay, my costume mishaps have not been largely due to making failures, but rather just failures um, at the time. I have mm. so I have my Muppet Act, which is uses the song Menomina. Oh yeah. Which if you know the song, it's got kind of these awkward moments where it kind of falters out and then comes back in. And so I use that. I'm giving away all my secrets. Um, no one will ever need to see me perform. Oh, um, we definitely but, will. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I use that to pretend I'm having costume mishaps. Oh, okay. Um, and one time when I was doing that, I my wig came off. Um, I got it stuck in my boa. It came off. Um, luckily my hair underneath at the time was kind of bleach blonde and very fluffy and kind of looked a bit muppety anyway. Mm. Um, and I just kind of started out like, <laughs> and one of my friends who'd seen the act several times was like, Oh, was that a new reveal? I was like, <laughs> nope. Nope. Just me not pinning my wig on properly. <laughs> um, and another time I did two acts in the same kind of show and um, I had my underwear for the one act over the top of the mm. underwear for the Muppet act and forgot to take it off and then it was on stage, went to undo my oh. skirt and went, oh, I feel the wrong waistband. <laughs> so just kind of went, okay, I'm doing this, went off stage, went off and then came back on and went, amazing <laughs> I went yes again just <laughs> styling it out yeah 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 so that's that luckily oh and there's another part of my act also there is where I pretend I've gotten stuck in my cor- in my corset which mm. is a thing that happens to burlesque artists far too often sure. I usually don't use corsets because they're just too dangerous too much I've had to cut a performer out of a corset <gasps> before on Seriously? stage yeah yeah she was um, stuck in it and I had my scissors that I used for my sheep act because I'd just done it and she was very stuck and she's like, can you just cut this knot? So, Amazing. Yeah, but um, that happened to me in my Muppet act where I was pretending I was stuck and then realised I was actually stuck. Oh, no. um, so <laughs> once again, styled it out. So, sure. so yeah, they, they weren't kind of particularly problems with making but possibly problems with preparation and brain farts and fair enough mishaps um yeah I don't think I don't think I've had a a specific like costume fall apart my costumes do tend to fall apart um or I discover that they're falling apart right before I'm going on stage so I always take like a sewing kit bunch of um safety pins Mm -hmm. that sort of uh, 
tape whatever I need to to a to a gig and and have that backstage. It's like totally normal to do costume repairs backstage. It sounds super yeah. exciting. Like it sounds like even even with these mishaps, you know, it's quite a fun, I guess, challenge to encounter. Maybe you don't feel it is at the time, but to me, that's sort of adds to it. Well, it is. I I really I really kind of enjoy the aspect of it being live performance, and I'm like, well, what happens happens. Exactly. Um, which it probably comes back to my, you know, not wanting to do the the kind of boring finishing. Um, <laughs> work on on costumes I'm like ah, it doesn't need to be hemmed no one's gonna know yeah um yeah where I'm like okay I can just get up and you know what happens happens I've done as much prep as I could manage and um yeah and now it's all just part of the fun yeah so <laughs> I guess that's yeah live performance yeah um this is my penultimate question I'm wondering what what does making mean to you? Or hand making, I suppose, in particular? I hmm. I feel like making is I mean, it's so much a part of of like who I am that it's something I've always done. Hmm. And I think I, I'm very interested in how things work. Um, so kind of trying it is is like absolutely, um, you know, appealing to me on that basis. Um, and it's probably why there are a lot of crafts that I'm like, give it a try, mm. and then didn't take further. Um, so and, and that, that's enough, for, that's sometimes enough for me. I, I don't necessarily feel like I need to master any anyone and that sometimes feels like a personal failing, but sometimes it just feels like, well, that's not what I'm after. Mm. If I want to do felting, weaving, knitting, make beer, um, the, like anything, I, I'll just try all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that in itself is interesting because making things is just a, interesting thing to dabble in yeah yeah I totally agree so what's next for you then are there is there any acts on the horizon or sort of ideas that you've got bubbling away in the back of your mind that you're hoping to sort of bring to fruition well um I have not really you know done anything through this past kind of year and a half ish (laughs) Um, because of the pandemic. Um, and to be honest, I'm not really entirely sure what I will be doing um, because I haven't performed. Mm. Um, I'm moving back to New Zealand imminently. Um, so partly this is like I've made these acts in the UK and mm. I can take them to a new audience and I'm getting more into the space of trying to reuse acts rather than constantly be Mm-hmm. creating something new, you know, to kind of work on something, develop it, polish it, rather than just chuck a million new things out, which sure. is what I used to do. So definitely um, airing my newer acts in New Zealand. Mm. I mean, I have a few things that have been kind of in the back of my mind for a while, but 
there are some logistical things. Um, like there's an act that I really want to have a um, a blow-up doll automatically inflate out of a briefcase, but I really don't know how to make that happen. Okay, cool. Um, you know. <laughs> well, if any listeners to the podcast so, have got any ideas, get yeah, in touch. <laughs> if anyone's got any ideas, yeah. I was. Um, I don't. I don't know if it's possible, but it would be very cool if it was. Um, yeah, that's that's one that's been in my head for about I don't know about eight years, and I've just been like, yeah, but I don't know how. Mm. I um I bought the blow up doll and everything, but I never got any further. Oh, brilliant! Oh, I'm sure a listener will be able to let us know how to do that. That's right up our street, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, that's that's actually brilliant. Yes, anyone, let me know if that is is the thing you have any ideas about. Yeah, you just need like yeah. a light activated, uh, a light activated well, pump or something. I don't mind if I have to like flick a switch that's fine mm-hmm. but it's 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 I guess speed and sound and you know all that sure. sort of thing that is yeah yeah you could yeah. do it with a um, sorry this is going off on a tangent now oh, if great. you wanted it to happen really quickly you could do it with like a um one of those balloon like you know like a Knox pellet like you would do um yeah well I was thinking about them and like the the fast inflate things that people have for bicycle tires yes. yeah or that sort of thing but it's like I didn't want to spend a lot of money trying things yeah sure to have them fail so so I'm like kind of need to find people yeah. who can Who've help already done experiment it. yeah <laughs> yeah or, or at least have some sort of equipment that will yeah um yeah, I've thought about it a lot. <laughs> um, but yes, it's not really not really gone gone too far with it. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Well, one of the questions I always ask people at the end is uh, if listeners have been interested sort of hearing from you and as this has sort of piqued their interest in burlesque or in making costumes even, where can you recommend that they maybe get involved or look into it? Um, for burlesque, I mean, obviously it's not easy at the moment, but the number one thing I say is try and get to shows. Yeah. If you are lucky enough to be somewhere that has shows, obviously, depending on where you are in the world, that might not be Mm. accessible. Um, learning about burlesque, I would probably, um, I feel like where I started is, is not a bad place to start is Joe Weldon's, um, burlesque handbook. Mm. Um, Joe Weldon's fantastic. She's kind of one of the, I guess, legends of the kind of burlesque revival. Mm-hmm. Um, and and she's very, very cool, um, very knowledgeable, not just in burlesque, but um, uh, she's been a stripper, a dominatrix. She's got a lot of perspective on kind of the intersections of club stripping and burlesque and and kind of the history of where they were once the same thing and mm-hmm. became and kind of diverged and all that sort of thing and yeah her her handbook is a it has a lot of kind of fun anecdotes and also information mm-hmm. um whether you actually plan on doing burlesque or are just interested in hearing about it mm. um and yeah you can just if you if you were to follow her on various social media you would immediately find a network of other people who you could follow and um they're all fabulous 
Yeah. yeah. And what about the sewing aspects? You know, can can anyone just buy a sewing machine and get started? Or I think so. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially with the with the kind of um, you know resources available online now. Mm. I mean, um, I highly recommend. I mean. I say I like winging it and making my own things and um, that sort of thing. But honestly, commercial patterns are a great place to start because you learn techniques. Um, And if you start with the easy ones to get some confidence, but, you know, when you step up to the kind of more advanced patterns, um, you learn fantastic techniques that, that, that you can then apply to, things you make you can also use those commercial patterns as a kind of base from which to kind of modify things so I tend to keep a like long sleeve t-shirt pattern around that I can then Mm -hmm. change up um yeah or like a trouser pattern or a skirt pattern or anything like that that you can then kind of modify as you get more confident Mm -hmm. and you can learn those techniques from it because they do tend to have um instructions for things like putting in a zip yeah um doing a rolled hem doing you you know all those sorts of things that you may be able to then apply to other other areas of sewing I mean obviously if you want to take a class and there are classes in your area Mm -hmm. brilliant but um yeah just just kind of picking up things from patterns is is a great great start that's a really great tip but that was all that was sort of a personal question because I bought a sewing machine off the back of watching the sewing bee in lockdown last year and Uh. have not yet (laughs) made anything at all I got all wrapped up in the excitement of it and how fun it looked and actually um needed a lot more space than I had and actually a bit more equipment than I had and fabrics so those are my major stepping the major hurdles (laughs) um yeah and especially if you couldn't go to a shop and well that's it and um and 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 buy fabrics because that's one of the things that I very much miss is like buying fabrics online I don't know what they feel like I don't know how they drape and that's everything Um, isn't it yeah so so yes I totally can understand why why sewing for the first time in lockdown would not be particularly accessible but I totally recommend yeah um Vogue patterns have great instructions. Okay, that's like really, really good. good instructions. They are they are one of my favorites. Um, but a lot of the other big big name patterns um, are pretty good to start with. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Um, great. Okay. Well, I mean, I think we'll probably wrap it up there if that's all right. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been an absolute delight to chat to you and get all these tips. Um, if listeners have enjoyed hearing from you, are you on social media? Can they sort of follow what you're up to? Um, so probably the best place to find me on social media is on Instagram. I'm Hester underscore Hawthorne, uh, Hawthorne with an E. Um, I haven't posted a huge amount, uh, recently, but if you want to go back through the archives, you can see all the, the weird things I was once up to. Um, yeah. Fantastic. Thanks so much. No worries. Thank you so much for having me. So that was the awesome Hester Hamilton on all things burlesque and costume making. A huge thanks to her for coming on the podcast. My book, Handmade, A Scientist's Search for Meaning Through Making, is out now. It's available to order on hardback, online and in all good bookshops IRL. 
You can also get hold of Kindle copies and the audiobook version online as well. Let me know what you think about the book or just say hello to me on social media. I'm at Anna Pajajski. And to conclude the podcast, it'd be awesome if you could like and subscribe to us on all the usual podcasting apps. If you want to say hi to the podcast, you can do so via social media. We're on Twitter at Real Talk, that's R-I-A-L Talk, and on Instagram at Handmade Pod. If you'd like to support the podcast with a one-time financial donation, you can do so at supporter.acast.com forward slash handmade. Massive thanks to everyone who's already done so. It really does help to keep the podcast going. And a huge thanks, as always, to Alex Lathbridge for the music mix. Next week, I'll be talking to Sam Underwood about his experiences making modular mechanical musical instruments. Until then, take very good care and I'll speak to you next time on Handmade. 